50 wins. That is the goal that this Sacramento Kings team has set for themselves. And typically, if you want to be a true contender in the NBA, you have to be above that 50-win threshold. But what do the Sacramento Kings have to do in order to accomplish that next season? We'll discuss right here on Locked on Kings. You are Locked on Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time. Time for another episode of Locked on Kings. Hello and welcome into Locked On Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all offseason long. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to play today. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I'm a Sacramento sports reporter and producer for ABC 10 News. And 50 wins is not a number that I have simply come up with on my own. 50 wins is something that the Sacramento Kings, I believe it was general manager Monty McNair, brought up in his uh, end-of-season press conference earlier on this year. He talked about that 50-win mark. Being above that 50-win mark is typically what you see uh, from teams that are true contenders uh, for an NBA championship. And while I don't necessarily think the Sacramento Kings should look at themselves, or rather, I don't think the rest of the league should look at the Sacramento Kings as true contenders this upcoming season. I, of course, want the players and the coaches in the front office to feel that way. They should feel that way every single season, or what the heck's the point of even playing? The Kings might not be in that contender, true contender status yet, but after a season where they just won 48 games, adding two more on top of that, reaching that 50 threshold and going above that 50 uh, 50 threshold, That's certainly an achievable goal for this group who is ultimately trying to get better. Now, the thing about wins during a season is there's a lot of context behind it, right? A 48-win season was fantastic for the Sacramento Kings. Well, in years past, 48 wins might be good enough to get you in the 5th or 6th or maybe even 7th seed at times. But this season, this past season, 48 wins was good enough to secure you the third seed. So again, context is extremely important. The Kings could win 50 games, and that could be enough to win the entire conference, assuming a lot of teams got worse, or it's as much of a logjam or even more of a logjam than it was last season. Or maybe they get to 50 wins, and somehow that's only good enough for the fourth seed, so they technically, in seeding, taken a step back. Regardless, 50 wins is something that I do believe this Sacramento Kings team can accomplish. But how do they accomplish that? I have identified seven things that I feel need to happen for the Sacramento Kings to be a 50-win team. Now, to be fair, if all seven of these things do happen, I think Sacramento is above a 50-win team. I think that's where we're looking at, like, the 55 mark and above. But, yes, I think you need the majority, at least five of these seven things probably have to happen if the Kings want to reach that uh, 50-win threshold this season, assuming like we've seen this offseason, the rest of the Western Conference is continuing to get better and is as difficult as we know the West to be. So let's talk about these seven things that need to happen. Number one, the Sacramento Kings offense, the best offense in regular season history with an offensive rating of 119.4. That offense has to be almost the exact same. I don't expect it to get better. It might. I don't expect that. I'm not going into next season saying, man, the Kings offense was literally the greatest we've ever seen, now build upon that. Maybe it's possible, 
But I think the Kings absolutely have to be close to that. That, can't, that has to be, if that's truly their identity, that has to be repeatable. And while I don't know if the Kings are going to be able to have an 119.4 offensive rating, again, I don't know if they're going to be able to average 120 points per game again like they did last season. But maybe they can average 119. Maybe they can average 118. Maybe that, uh, that offensive rating can drop down to like 118, 117, 116. They do that, they're in really good shape. But the offense still has to be at that top-tier level, maybe not in NBA history, but at least top-tier level in the NBA next season. It's the bread and butter of this team. It's what they're known for, right? That cannot change. They've added weapons that arguably make more sense on the offensive end than on the defensive end of the floor. They've secured guys long-term like DeMondis Sabonis, for example, that they run their entire offense to, through. While, yes, we hope the defense gets better, offensively, that is how this Kings team, it will be known. That is their meal ticket. So that has to remain the same if the Kings want any chance of breaking that 50-win threshold. Number two, protecting home court. This was surprisingly something that the Kings struggled with more than they should have last season. The Kings won more games on the road than they did at home. That was one of many confusing numbers with this Kings team in a breakout year last year. They were 25-16 and 16 on the road at home. They were 23 and 18. Now, 23 and 18 is still above 500. It's still a, a good record. Like, it's solid. You're not going to really, like, shrug your shoulders or, or bat your eyes at 23 and 18. But some of those 18 losses, like, we can remember the context of some of those 18 losses, right? The Charlotte Hornets lost, the Washington Wizards lost. There were some games that the Kings blew in their own building. There were a lot of winnable games that the Kings did not close out or did not finish the job, did not win in their own building last season. And while I think the Kings are capable of being a great road team once again, if you're relying up, uh, if you're relying on that every single year, I think you're setting yourself up to struggle. You're certainly not setting yourself up to be a 50-win team. When you look at 50-win teams typically and you look at the win-loss column uh, at home, you'll see a pretty big gap. You'll see teams that are nearly impossible to beat in their own building. Right? The Kings need to work their way into establishing that status for themselves. Golden One Center should be a place where every single time the Kings take the floor, regardless of who they're playing, even if it's the defending champion Denver Nuggets or the Milwaukee Bucks, whoever it may be, the expectation should be when the Sacramento Kings play in Sacramento inside the Golden One Center in front of the best fans in the NBA, the expectation is the Kings should win that game. That doesn't mean they won't always win. Oh, I'm sorry, that doesn't mean they will always win. That doesn't mean there won't be a bad loss in there to a team that they're better than from time to time. That's just the regular season. That's just any NBA basketball. Anyone can win on any given night, right? So it's not like one loss can ruin the whole season for the Sacramento Kings unless we get down to the wire and the Kings really drop the ball. But let's not even speak that into existence, right? The Kings are going to lose some winnable games and have some bad games at home. It's going to happen. It's an 82-game regular season. We know it's going to happen. But... If those are the heavy, significant anomalies, and for the majority of the regular season, the Kings are, I should say the vast majority of the regular season, the Kings are dominant at home and successful at home, that needs to happen for the Kings to be a 50-win team. Number three, the Kings need to find their third scoring option. This is something we've talked about a lot here on the Locked On Kings podcast over this uh, offseason. I've shared with you, I think that third scoring option this season is going to be Keegan Murray. In fact, I think Keegan Murray is going to also emerge as the Number two, create your own shot or, and, and go to score in the sense that, 
Like, we know if the Kings need a bucket, you know you can give the ball to De'Aaron Fox and he can create for something for himself. That's how good he was in the fourth quarter, especially with that lethal mid-range jumper that he has. Like, we knew that's Fox's bag, right? But especially in the playoffs, we saw the Kings didn't necessarily have someone else to do that when Fox was either out of the game or the defense was focusing heavily on De'Aaron. Like, the Kings didn't necessarily have another guy too often in those moments that could you could give them the ball and let them create and go get you a bucket when they need to. I think Keegan Murray is capable of being that guy. Will he do that in just his second year in the league? I have no idea. He showed great progress with what he did in the California Classic, but of course that's Summer League versus the actual NBA. But the Kings need to have a clear, established third option every single night, or for the majority of nights, if they want to be a 50-win team. Last year, the third leading scorer on the Sacramento Kings was uh, Kevin Herter. And while Kevin Herter is still an essential part of the Sacramento Kings offense, unless he's consistently hitting threes and shooting 40% from three-point range for the majority of the season, not having the super hot months and the super cold months like he had last season, I don't know if Kevin Herter can be that guy and you'll be a 50-win team. I think that's Keegan's spot to take. Maybe Malik Monk has work, could work his way into that off the bench, although we've seen Malik not just take over a, a, a microwave score role like we know he's had in the league to this point. Off the bench, he also is the floor general. He's a passer. He's a creator for his teammates. So I don't know who the Kings, who will emerge as that clear-cut third option, but someone needs to for the Kings to be a 50-win uh, team. This one, kind of self-explanatory. More health luck or a top-tier bench in the NBA. Now, not too long ago, I shared a podcast where I, I predicted that the Sacramento Kings will have the best bench or at least a top three bench in the NBA this season. I think the Kings, in terms of depth, have every other team beat. If there's any two teams that can compete with them in terms of depth, it's the Los Angeles Lakers and the Golden State Warriors, in my opinion. Now, I do not expect the Kings to be as healthy this season as they were last season because they were the healthy team by a a massive margin. And while I do feel that pointing out the injury luck that the Kings had was sometimes undermining what the Kings were actually accomplishing on the floor, it's true that their health worked in their favor a lot. So will the Sacramento Kings remain as healthy this year, this upcoming season, as they did last season? We certainly hope so. Hell, you'd love for every single player to play all 82 games and not even have to worry about stubbing their toe, but that's just not the reality. Will the Kings have players in place that can help this team overcome little bumps and bruises and bangs that happen over the course of the regular season. We see how many shots to the face DeMondis Sabonis freaking takes, right? If Can DeMondis Sabonis play 78 games, 75 games, and those games that he's sitting out, the Kings aren't, getting, or aren't winning just one or two of them because they have nobody that can step into that spot and can at least carry the torch a little bit or, or hold the line tread water, so to speak, while Sabonis is out, or De'Aaron Fox is out, or Keegan Murray's out, or Malik Monk's out. Like, do the Kings have the depth to be able to overcome that? They're going to have to, or they're going to have to stay ridiculously healthy again if they want to be a 50-win team. How about another level to De'Aaron Fox? Now, this one kind of feels unfair, right? Because De'Aaron is a star. I mean, he, he deserved to be an all-star last year. He ended up being an all-star replacement, which was silly, but he deserved to be a, a, an all-star. The Kings had uh, two all-NBA players, De'Aaron Fox, of course, being one of them. Like, De'Aaron established a clutch player of the year. Like, we know what De'Aaron did last season. So how much more, how much better can we expect De'Aaron Fox to get? I don't think the Kings 
have to necessarily get only De'Aaron Fox to make a massive jump in order for this to be possible. Is there another level to De'Aaron's game? Yes, I believe so. And so does Mike Brown. Mike Brown's talked openly about that. Can they get that, that 48 minutes or full effort from De'Aaron on the defensive end of the ball while always being in attack mode on offense? I don't know how possible that is. I imagine that's exhausting. But the example that I've used frequently here this offseason is, can you get De'Aaron Fox to where he's still Mr. Fourth Quarter, Clutch Fox, the Clutch Player of the Year, or at least a, a competitor for the Clutch Player of the Year award. But can he be bringing 15 points or 20 points into the fourth quarter every single night so that when he does have that fourth quarter explosion, it's getting, excuse me, it's more frequently getting him over that 30-point uh, threshold more often than not. I think that's where the growth, the next step from De'Aaron Fox is. If the Kings get that consistently, yeah, I think they're well on their way to being a 50-win team. Speaking of consistency, season-long consistency from this team, period, is essential to being a 50-win team. Now, you're going to have ups and downs, right? And one of the things I love about the Kings is I think they only lost three straight, or they lost four straight games to open up the season. I don't think they lost four straight at any point for the remainder of the season. And I think they only lost three straight games other than that four straight, like once or twice. Like the Kings did a really, really good job last year of avoiding long losing streaks or extended losing streaks. They did an excellent job of that last year, which was a breath of fresh air considering a couple of years ago, the Kings had multiple like seven, eight, nine straight uh, loss streaks. You remember those? God, those were awful. So I'm not expecting the Kings to rattle off eight, nine, 10 game winning streaks frequently over the course of the season. If they do that, that would be amazing, right? But if they can avoid, if they can win two or three here, then only lose one, then win four, then only lose one, then win five, then only lose two. They're in a really, really good spot to be a 50 win team. So it's consistency in the win loss column. It's consistency with uh, not like falling away from yourselves or, or, or falling into those ruts over the course of the regular season. And then, of course, consistency from individuals too. Can you get that consistent shooting from Kevin Herter over the course of the entire season? Can you get a consistent third scoring option performance from Keegan Murray over the course of the regular season? Can you consistently get Malik Monk's sixth man of the year over the course of the regular season? Can you consistently get that Davion Mitchell defense that we love in addition to a, a, a at least steady presence on the offensive side of the ball from him can you get a consistent presence from the king's depth the sasha vezenkovs the the chris duartes the trey lyles consistency is essential for the sacramento kings team if they want to be a 50 win team and finally number seven in reality the kings also need some help from the west like the western conference was a log jam last year right only two teams were 50 win teams last year the denver nuggets who of course were the nba champions and then the Memphis Grizzlies, who kind of limped their way to 50 wins, which is crazy to say. It doesn't matter how you got there, but we know everything that the Grizzlies went through last season. Still a good basketball team. I don't know if people expect them to be a second seed again or uh, uh, this season, but we'll have to wait and see. But there were nine teams total in the West that were above 500. Now, that's kind of common for the Western Conference. We know how good uh, the, this conference is. But you remember, there's only one, two, three games separating like the play-in teams from where the Kings were in the top four of the Western Conference. So can the Kings get a little more help from the West to where they're not necessarily, like 50 wins gets you towards the top of the, uh, of the conference. And you're not going to have to battle with four or five different teams that are in that same mix. 
the Kings are going to need that as well. Uh, some help from the West and maybe even a little help from the, the bottom of the Eastern Conference too. win a couple more games when playing the West Eastern Conference, please, uh, for the Kings to uh, have a chance at 50 wins. But that's, those are seven things that I think need to happen for the Kings to have a chance at winning 50 games, or at least the majority of those things. I'd say five out of those seven things need to happen for the Kings to be a 50-win team next season. If you want to add on to that list, please do so. You can reach me on Twitter at MattGeorgeSack. You can email me, MattGeorgeSports at gmail.com. And, of course, if you're watching on YouTube, leave your additions to the list in the YouTube comment section down below. Today's episode of the Locked On Kings podcast is brought to you by FanDuel. And even though we're still a little bit of a ways away from basketball season, the good news is football season is about to kick off. And football is always wonderful on FanDuel. They are giving you a chance to win all season long. Right now, when you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you can get bonus bets Every time they win over the course of the regular season. Yeah, you can track it all year long and get rewarded for it all season long. Just pick any team to win the Super Bowl and you'll get bonus bets for every victory. And you can use those bonus bets on like point spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. There's so many fun ways to play on FanDuel. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and start earning bonus bets with America's number one sportsbook. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. So one of the biggest criticisms that I get as a podcast host, as a Sacramento Kings media member, is that I'm too optimistic, or sometimes I can't take the purple-tinted glasses off, right? Or I've had people say, Matt, is there anything that the Kings do that you don't like? You seem to always be positively reinforcing what the Kings are doing. Well, recently that's been true because look at where the Sacramento Kings are and look at what they're doing, right? The Sacramento Kings have been really nothing but successful over the last year and some change. So some of you who only started watching the podcast last season might only know me as Optimistic Matt. But even so, during the bad years, the tough years, over the six years that I've been covering the Kings and, and hosting this Locked on Kings podcast, nearly seven years, I've been labeled as sometimes a blind optimist. And I recognize that and I own that. That's, that's true to who I am, right? I'm genuinely more of a optimistic person than I am a pessimistic person, especially when it comes to the sports teams that I follow and care about. Unless, I mean, I'm an Oakland Raiders and Oakland, a sorry, Las Vegas Raiders and Oakland A's fan. So sometimes it's really hard to be optimistic about those two organizations. But when it comes to the Sacramento Kings, for the most part, I am an optimistic person about what they're doing or where they're going. I tend to just trend that way. That does not mean that I don't have concerns or things that I don't like or pessimistic thoughts. So I thought, you know what? I'm not trying to appease anybody, right? I'm not trying to change who I am to, to uh, appease a crowd, but I wanted to share with you some of the things about next season that I'm and this team that I'm pessimistic about. And I'm not just going out and grabbing things that I think are low-hanging fruit or things that like, oh yeah, I could see that being a problem. These are things that genuinely, like when I sat down and thought about it, I was like, okay, I'm concerned about this or if something's gonna go wrong, I think this is what it might be. Right. So here are four things that are concerning to me that I'm a bit pessimistic about when it comes to the Sacramento Kings team, just to show you that, yeah, I, I can think that way. And I do think that way from time to time. Number one, this one's kind of obvious. The Kings defense, they only need to be average, right? If the Sacramento Kings can have a top 15 defense, that would be amazing. But if they're 14, 15, 16, 17, that should be enough with how good the offense is, or at least how good we expect the offense to continue to be, being bang average defensively should be enough for this Kings team to at least 
get back to the playoffs and, and, and maybe have a chance at winning 50 games. Although I think if they want to pass that 50-win threshold, and certainly if they want to turn into a legitimate contender and have a chance at actually contending next year, they probably need to be a top 10 defensive team. That is a major ask for this Kings team. Why? Because like so many of you have pointed out this offseason, the Kings didn't really address that. They kind of did. Like Chris Duarte has a decent defensive side. But you bring in Sasha Vezinkov, who's clear concerns or clear, I don't know how this is going to translate to the NBA, is on the defensive end of the floor. And you brought back the majority of, I mean, you brought back your entire starting line. You brought back the majority of your, your core and your rotation, all of which, with the exception of Davion Mitchell, are not known for how they perform on the defensive side of the ball. Now, De'Aaron Fox, I thought, really emerged as a really, really, really good defender last season. I expect that to continue, and Mike Brown thinks he can take that a step further. While DeMontis Sabonis is not known for being a rim protector and defensive anchor, DeMontis Sabonis can at least hold that position down. But he obviously needs help from the rest of the team. Keegan Murray is capable of being a better defender uh, than, than what he showed last season, and that's to be expected. He was a rookie, right? Everybody defensively needs to step up, but that is a big ask from this team. A big ask. And that's where I think a lot of the focus of this upcoming training camp is going to be on the defensive side of the ball. Hey, offensively, we know what we're going to run. We know what we do best. The DHO game, cuts, attacking the basket, running in transition, three-point shooting. Like this Kings team offensively, it is easy to map out how they're going to be successful. Defensively, though, with the exception of, again, Davion Mitchell, it's like, okay, who is really going to stop the ball consistently for the Kings? Maybe De'Aaron Fox is also in that category. But for the most part, the Kings defensively, if they're going to have any kind of success, it's going to be as a unit. It's going to be with communication, help defense, weak side defense. These are terms that you hear Mike Brown use a lot. That's a big ask for this core who is so talented offensively to figure that out and turn things around defensively when, again, offense in the NBA period is only getting better. That's something to naturally be pessimistic about. I don't know if the Sacramento Kings did enough or really did anything to address that side of the ball this offseason. I think, and I'm guilty of this, I think we're putting a little too much a little too quickly on Keegan Murray. Again, I'm very guilty of this. Again, I'm, I'm looking at Keegan Murray as the third leading scorer on this Kings team next season. I'm looking at Keegan Murray as the guy that if De'Aaron Fox can't get a shot off or De'Aaron Fox is out of the game or De'Aaron Fox is hurt, Keegan Murray is the guy that's going to get you a bucket when you need it in big moments. That's a lot to ask for a second-year player. Like, Keegan is damn good. We know he's damn good. We're seeing videos coming out of, uh, of how he's performing uh, in the, uh, the Team USA training camp with the select team, and he looks great. Like, of course he looks great. We saw how great he looked with the California Classic. We saw uh, how great he's been working with De'Aaron Fox. Like, I expect Keegan Murray to be damn good next season. I have no concerns about that. But are the Sacramento Kings, our Kings media members, our Kings fans, are we putting a little too much on Keegan Murray to be the guy that makes the biggest jump to help this Kings team make the big jump from good to great? That's something to be concerned about and a little pessimistic about. Another one, a guy I mentioned a lot here recently, Davion Mitchell. I still don't know what Davion Mitchell is on the offensive side of the ball. I don't. We don't know who Davion Mitchell is. Defensively, Davion almost has to be out there because of how good he is defensively. But sometimes, especially early on in the first half of last season, Davion didn't look comfortable in the offense to where Malik Monk kind of took his job and he kind of just stood out there on the perimeter and wasn't a good enough shooter just to do that. 
What is Davion Mitchell offensively? I think the Kings believe that he has more to his game offensively. I know he's been working on that this offseason. Hell, you can't keep Davion Mitchell out of the freaking gym. You can't. You literally have to lock the doors and he'll still find a window to crawl through. Davion Mitchell lives in a gym, so he's always working. That's why I have faith that he's going to be able to figure it out. But at this point in time, I don't know what the best defender on this Kings team does for you on the offensive end of the ball consistently. And if the best defender is hurting your offense, which is your bread and butter, that best defender might not be on the floor as much as you would hope that he would be to help make that impact to fix your, your struggling defense. So I'm, I'm obviously concerned about that. And finally, this is more like a, a, a pessimistic or concern for the future, but if the Western Conference has gotten better, if it continues to be a logjam and the Sacramento Kings have, let's say, just stayed the same, right? Let's say they're a 48-win team again. I don't know if 48 wins is a third seed again. I rather doubt it. I think 48 wins is probably like a fifth seed this upcoming season. But do the Sacramento Kings find themselves in a position where they have to make a swing for the fences, go for it, move at this trade deadline if they truly want to secure their position as a playoff team and a hope, a future championship contender? Monty McNair has not given any reason to believe over the course of his entire career here in Sacramento that he would make a knee-jerk move simply for the sake of ma making it. So I'm not necessarily concerned about that, but will the Kings be put into a position or painted into a corner where they need to make a move like that to have a chance? I think that's very possible and something that could make this team or break this team. Could be a gamble, a risk, and something I don't know if I necessarily want the Kings to be in a position for as early as next season. But those are four things that I am pessimistic or concerned about with this Kings team next season. There you go. I'm not just optimistic all the time, but if you want to add to that list too, if you want to share things that you're concerned about, or even maybe you want to talk me off the cliff with some of these, like, hey, Matt, don't be worried about this, and here's why. Again, send those to me at MattGeorgeSack on Twitter, email me MattGeorgeSports at gmail.com, or leave your thoughts in the YouTube comment section down below. Before we wrap up, one thing that I wanted to touch on really quickly, I'm thinking a lot about this Dame Lillard thing that's happening with the Portland Trailblazers. Now, this is really easy for me to say, this perspective is easy from someone who is not emotionally connected to the Portland Trailblazers. I think, I think it's been well beyond since time for both teams to, or both sides to move on, right? I think that it should have happened a couple of years ago. I think Dame has done a tremendous job over the course of his career of trying to be loyal to the Portland Trail Blazers. I think the Blazers have done a bad job of building around him, but they have, a, have at least tried some things, and it's gotten them into the playoffs, but hasn't gotten them anywhere near a championship. So I think it's time for both sides to move on. However, I thought about this this way. Like, if De'Aaron Fox, and I hope it never gets to this point, but if De'Aaron Fox ever got to a point where he was saying he was a superstar, which he's very capable of being, and he says... It's not working here in Sacramento. I want to be traded, and I only want to be traded to the Boston Celtics. He gives you an ultimatum. He, I'm only, and his agent is saying, he's only going to play for this team. No other team should be in, in, interested. I would expect the Kings and want the Kings to do the exact same thing that the Blazers are doing right now, which is if the deal's not right for us, then we're not going to do it. And I credit Dane because the latest reports are that Dane would show up to training camp and show up to play because he doesn't want to miss out on his paycheck and he's going to play for the Blazers. I don't think Damian, Damian Lillard is going to 
intentionally tank the Blazers or anything like that or try and hold back any of the young guys from developing. I don't think he'd do that. I don't think in this scenario, I don't think De'Aaron Fox would ever do that, right? You have to be a real a-hole to do that. But in this scenario, I think the Blazers are doing the right thing, and I would, if the Sacramento Kings ever had to deal with that with any of their stars, I would want them to do the same thing. As much as you want to reward someone who's been loyal to you and who you clearly care about and want to put them in a position to succeed and give them what they want that's best for them, you also, of course, have to do what's best for you. And when you have one of the best players in the league, one of the best talents in the league, you can't just give that away for their sake and not get back what you deserve or at least what you think is somewhat necessary compensation. So, I mean, that's kind of my two cents on that situation. I think uh, I'm very interested to see what happens with the Blazers going forward. Obviously, they have a lot of fun young players to, to build around and keep an eye on, including Chris Murray, uh, Keegan's brother. So it'll be interesting to see how that uh, that plays out. But even if Dame Lillard stays, I, I'm not too concerned about the Blazers in the Western Conference. But, hey, they could prove me wrong. But we'll have to wait and see. Well, I really appreciate your support, as always, here on the Locked on Kings podcast. Every single day, we just get closer and closer to being out of August and into September and into training camp starting and then preseason in, in early to mid-October. So we're getting there, bit, bit by bit, piece by piece. And this is the time of the year, by the way, where the expectation from, kind of pulling back the curtain here, the expectation from Locked On is instead of like five episodes a week, we can dip down to like three episodes a week. Truth be told, I'm still going to try as best as I possibly can to give you four to five episodes a week. It helps me get through it. I know it helps you get through it, and I've really enjoyed Like It means so much to me, the messages, the emails, the comments that I've gotten from those of you saying, Matt, like, there aren't too many other shows that are doing what you're doing. Like Locked On, this is what we're known for, but like, there aren't other shows or too many other shows in Sacramento outside of like radio shows that are helping or that are putting out so much content and are getting me through um, this offseason. And I, that means a lot to me because... I loved having shows and content like this, and I needed content like this when I was trying to get through this period as a fan. So I want to continue to do that. I'm going to do the best that I can. I'm going to start also asking for, I'm to, I think I want to start on social media putting out like different potential topics that I could talk about and have you vote on kind of topics that you want to hear me discuss. I have things in mind, of course, coming this week, more guests to, to bring back on uh, or to bring on for the first time here on Locked On as well. So very excited about that. We'll get through it together. Thank you so much for your support and can't wait to have you join me on the next episode of Locked on Kings. Until then, my name is Matt George. You've been listening to the Locked on Kings podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network.